Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. My guest this time is Susan Saunders, who is a health coach and the author of books, including the Age Well Project. Uh, Her determination to age well grew out of her own personal story, spending 12 years caring for her mum who had severe dementia. When she was first diagnosed, Susan was 36 years old with a toddler, a newborn and a full-time job, and her world was turned upside down. Not only was she mum and wife and boss, she was now a carer too. And what made this even harder for her was that as a teenager, she'd watched her mum going through the exact same thing with her own mother. She started researching everything she could about ageing well, and that led to the Age Well Project blog, and then the book written with her friend Annabelle Streets and a new career as a health coach helping others to age well too. Susan's only the third person in the UK to qualify as a coach with neuroscientist Dr Dale Bredson, author of The End of Alzheimer's, and she now helps women across the world reduce their dementia risk through her coaching work. Her next book on post-menopausal health will be published by Headline next summer, 2023. Welcome to the podcast season. Thanks so much, Emma. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. It's lovely to have you. So, yeah, tell us a bit more. I mean, not probably not everyone who is sort of thrust into that caring role will will go on to write a book about it what you know what made you different why did you decide to take all of that and and sort of throw your energy into into that learning and and sort of sharing that learning with everyone it was a gradual process it wasn't like hey my mom's got dementia I'm going to write a book yeah it was a very gradual process from just being absolutely caught in the headlights trying Mm. to care for her when I had so much else on you being young really being 36 when she was diagnosed um and having little ones to deal with as well and a job you that you for quite a long time I was kind of caught in the headlights trying to deal with that but I was also really thinking about well what do I do to protect my own health how can I reduce my own dementia risk and started reading and researching when I could and then I was talking to my friend Annabelle about it, who has you know, health issues in her mm-hmm. own family. And she said, why don't we do a blog? So we, we started doing a blog, which initially was just really for our friends and people we knew. And then it, it grew because I think we sort of touched a nerve as two working mums who were trying to do the best we could you know, for our health and really digging into the research and seeing what made sense in our own lives and what we could actually do when our kids were saying, I'm not going to eat that. No, <laughs> yeah, and all that sort of thing. So I think that sort of touched a nerve. And you know, from that, we got a book deal, which is amazing and brilliant. And while we were writing the book, I was thinking, you know, this, this is great. And I really like writing a book, but actually I would like to help you know, women more directly, which led to mm-hmm. the sort of health coaching. So it was a it was a gradual process over a number of years. Um, and and all, also, I think, fantastic and exciting and unexpected, you know, particularly in midlife. You know, I got a literary agent at the age of 50. And that was just so amazing and felt so brilliant. And to be honest, a pinch me moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A total pinch me moment. And if that was as far as it had ever gone, that would have been just so exciting. So, you know, the fact that it did you know, actually culminate in, in a book and then further books, you know, was it was you know, even better. Mm. Did you have, do you have any kind of science background in terms of 
the research? No, I don't. But I worked in TV for a long time. And I think if you can work in TV, and that involves a lot of research, you can, but you can sort of do anything. Uh, and I, for Annabelle and I, the fact that we weren't scientists was important because it meant that we were trying to f- make sense of this stuff. Because you see these headlines, uh, mm. which is often very dramatic, and it's actually, well, what actually does it mean and how do we make sense of it? And how important is that piece of research for us? Is that piece of research? So so I think as just you ordinary women trying to work it out, we have some, there is some relevance to what we're doing because we're all trying to work it out. We're all trying to find our we're way. We're all winging it. What we do. <laughs> yeah. We're all trying to find our way through and make sense of the vast amount of information which is thrown at us all the time. Has your approach changed a lot since you sort of started researching for the blog and and um, and then the, the book are there some things that you've radically changed your mind about yeah I think when we started when we first started the blog it was re- it was a lot of it was about food and nutrition and what we were cooking in our own kitchens mm-hmm. and I think I started from the point that if I ate the right things I would be able to age well and reduce my dementia risk and really through the process through all the research I realized how much more there was to it than that I mean obviously I knew I had to exercise but I think probably you know as a woman in my 40s then exercise was still related to what I look like at that point and of course I've realized that's really not what it's about it's really about how your body works and about strength and things but also there are so many other things that we need to focus on and nutrition is only a kind of small part of that and we need to be thinking about sleep quality which I hadn't really get paid a lot of attention to or you how um how social we are how we stimulate our brains um the world around us you know how toxic is that you know there was so many other things that are worth considering I mean not in an overwhelming way but so that we have a kind of broader and more holistic picture of our lives rather than obsessing about should I drink coconut water? Or you know, I often, often you know, talking to my clients and they get very hung up on quite small things like, well, you know, is coconut water okay? Or you know, what brand of tofu? And actually it's trying to keep the picture as broad as possible and to think about ageing well as a whole lifestyle. So that, that to answer your question, that for me has been the change. That it's the shift, the sort of 360 yeah. holistic approach. Um, and you talked a bit, there about the, the sort of the overwhelming amount of information data that kind of comes at us you know it, it never stops does it you know sort of newspaper articles about you know this kind of superfood or yeah. you know this causes cancer etc cetera, etc cetera. so how what sort of strategies do you can help your clients adopt that sort of deals with that tsunami of overwhelm and how how to approach it in a sustainable way day to day well I think you'll know this but so much of coaching is about meeting their your client where they are Mm -hmm. and what is doable and what is achievable and what do they want to achieve how do they want to feel how do they want their life to be and how do we fill the gap between where they are now and where they want to be and it's sort of making small steps to kind of get us along that 
that path which are sustainable and doable I mean what can you actually do you know some of my clients are women who are unbelievably busy mm. with families who are quite demanding jobs sometimes or other responsibilities and so well what can you actually do and what is the next stage the next step on from what you're doing now rather than right you need to implement this whole new dietary plan here's a checklist (laughs) yeah yeah which is absolutely not not what coaching is about it's about what's the next step towards your goal and from the point of view of alzheimer's prevention presumably the earlier that we start thinking about that the better i mean is there a sort of a optimal time to start or is it basically tomorrow the optimal time to start is when you are ready I think is the answer one of my clients said to me recently oh I wish I'd started doing all this 10 years ago (laughs) but she is in her approaching her mid-50s she's got a 10 year old she's got a very demanding job and I was like 10 years ago Mm. you had a toddler you know, no child baby and a, and a small child at school and it's there's no way you and you were perimenopause or probably you, there was no way that you would have been able to do that so the right time is now because this is when you're ready to start looking at tackling your dementia risk building a life that will reduce that so yeah I mean it's always something to be mindful of obviously but um it's it's when you're ready to make those make the changes and bring awareness to brain health and mm. um, can you talk a little bit about for in terms of sort of risk of developing Alzheimer's specifically how much of that is sort of genetic and how much is modifiable by changes in lifestyle and, and, and in nutrition only a small percentage is genetic in terms of genetics there is one specific gene that we know is linked to increased risk Mm-hmm. And that is called APOE4. We all carry two variants of the APOE gene. It works in terms of uh, carrying cholesterol around the body and the brain. Mm-hmm. And the APOE4 variant has been linked to increased risk of Alzheimer's. It doesn't cause Alzheimer's. It's a correlation. Mm-hmm. And that's something people have to be really aware of if they get tested through one of these testing you know, testing systems that you spit into a tube yeah and it's it, not a foregone conclusion yeah, that, that you will yeah and I always always counsel people to be really careful before you do that kind of test that you are aware that you might find out something that you perhaps didn't want to know you know, there might be something that causes you concern so that's one thing but if you find out that you carry that gene and around 20 percent of us are apoe4 positive oh, that many one, yeah which is a wow. lot isn't it one in five um, wow yeah and yet one in five of the population don't get alzheimer's so so clearly not everybody who carries it gets mm. it you can have one or two variants of the apoe for gene I know that I have one there are a lot fewer people who carry two and that does greatly increase your risk but again there are people carrying two two variants of the APOE4 gene who don't get Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and so much of it comes down to lifestyle and your lifestyle factors can greatly reduce your risk even if you carry the gene Uh, and it seems that 
weirdly, but in a very positive way, the people who carry the gene respond better to lifestyle factors. Your risk, yeah, your risk, if you've got a healthy lifestyle, your risk comes right down uh, if you carry the gene. So I think you know, all of us need to act as if we've got it and do everything we can in terms of lifestyle to lower our risk because lots of people who don't carry the gene do get dementia or you know Alzheimer's and related dementias so it not having the gene is not a guarantee that you won't get it mm-hmm. and so uh, talk about the the earlier books the ones that are already out those don't just deal with Alzheimer's and dementia they're, they're talking about sort of aging well writ large Yes, yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. So the Age Well Project is the first book which Annabelle and I wrote together, which grew out of the blog. And yes, it's very, very broad. It's about absolutely everything you need to know about aging well that you, you know, that is science backed and you can do yourselves. And then the Age Well Plan, the second book which I wrote myself, is more of a coaching guide. It's more of a how to make. Every, all the learnings from the Age World Project work in your life day by day, week by week. So it's more of a, it's a six week program to kind of kickstart your own Age World life, essentially. So yes, so they are very very broad, but the dementia risk reduction element uh, comes from my own interest because because my mum and my grandma and um, you know, my own concerns. And I got the opportunity to train with Dr. Bredesen, as you said Mm -hmm. in your intro, um, who's an American neuroscientist. And so I took a further coaching qualification with him in the last year or so, which was really hard work. Oh, my God, it was such a big investment of time and energy. Yeah, it was really hard work because he teaches the same course to coaches as he does to doctors. So it, you're having to operate at a really kind of high level in terms of the science, et cetera. And the pass mark for all the tests was really high. So, uh, so well, congratulations. Yeah, for passing. So, I was, yeah, so I was really, really happy to pass. It was really exciting. So I focused my one-to-one coaching uh, on that because I've just found I was speaking to so many women who you know, potentially like, like me were you mm. know, caring for a, a parent or a relative you know, with dementia could just see it and think you know I, what can I do to try and make sure that doesn't happen to me of course there are no guarantees but I think having the confidence we're doing the best we can based on the science is just really reassuring and really important that we can go through without that kind of constant nagging worry mm. uh, that you know am I doing the right thing yeah, I mean, I, th- I said to you off air, I'm, you know, I'm very much your target market. <laughs> my mum my was diagnosed quite early on, actually, in, in her life with, with Alzheimer's. Um, she's, she's still with us now, but, but it's quite progressed. And um, yeah, I don't need to tell anyone listening who's ever had a, a sort of a, a relative or, or a friend kind of go through this what a a really, really difficult disease. It is not just for the person who's experiencing it themselves, but for, for all of the people that, that love and, and care for them. So, yeah, I'm, I will definitely 
be be reading both those books but tell us then a bit about the book that you just just finished writing which will be out next year yes so the new so the new book is about postmenopausal health and that has really grown out of obviously the whole age well thing mm. but looking more specifically at what happens after menopause particularly when we have lost the protection of our reproductive hormones you you will know this but you estrogen progesterone testosterone you wrap us up in this kind of protective cloak and keep us safe and healthy and well uh, as much as they can you know, while we are in our reproductive years mm-hmm. which makes sense because yeah. we're, well done we're, nature well done <laughs> keeping, nature, keeping us going so we can reproduce so we can as much as possible and, you know, keep the species going yeah it all makes sense from a you know scientific perspective uh, and then when those hormones decline it's like mother nature says okay sunshine you're on your own now and <laughs> but now we're on our own for for increasingly long yes. sort of lifespans so it's actually exactly exactly and so all those wonderful protective benefits that we got for our bones and our brains and our heart and our inflammation levels and all those things they've all it's all gone And it's on us really to look after ourselves in the years following that hormonal decline. Because once we get into our mid-60s, statistically, our chances of getting diseases like osteoporosis, heart disease, um, dementias, etc., increases massively. Mm. So we kind of have this window of 10 to 15 years, depending on our cycles, etc., when we really need to focus on looking after ourselves to you know, prevent those chronic diseases of aging kicking in, essentially. So I think you know, menopause is so difficult for so many women and has mm-hmm. so many you know, horrendous health effects. But we need to be conscious that it's not it's not just our hormones and our you know, it's not just it's not the end of the story once once exactly. the sort of the period stop and you go yay yeah. no more of that exactly <laughs> it's a it's a it's an aging transition essentially it's a rapid aging transition which sounds much worse than it is uh you know, but you there, it is a point at which how our body works changes at a very fundamental level mm. and and we just need to address that going forward and I know for women who are you know, in the throes of horrendous perimenopausal symptoms that you know, that might be you know, that's hard to hear. And actually, of course, the priority is to deal with those. But it's also just bringing awareness that kind of long term we need we just need to look after ourselves that you know, Mother Nature is not doing the job anymore. We need to do it. Mm. And, we, and I think we probably are the first cohort of of post-menopausal women I say we I'm not post-menopausal yet but do that that kind of have that knowledge and that that level of awareness of what the ramifications are if we're not putting that work in to to look after ourselves I mean certainly yeah not not my mother's generation you know just didn't have that information available to them and and suffered accordingly Yes, and you know, we still don't have enough information. There still isn't enough research do it, being done on women's bodies and particularly you know, in menopause and beyond, uh, but it is starting to change. You know, there is more 
research being done and you know we and we do have that that knowledge now of what our reproductive hormones do in terms of protection beyond just being hormones of reproduction and so that's really what the book is about is kind of focusing on that and also on the positives you know that once we are no longer chained to a monthly cycle it can be very freeing and very empowering for a lot of women and there are lots of amazing women in their 50s and and beyond who are doing incredible things and I interview some from the book uh, and I know you you have talked to people like Karen Arthur (laughs) and I've also interviewed you who are just living amazing fulfilling lives post-menopause and I think it's important that we have those those kind of role models of of kind of positive aging uh, and not sort of yeah feeling like we're it's it's the end of something but but it's the beginning of a different chapter yes uh, yeah absolutely I mean it is a tra- it is a transition it is a beginning of a new chapter and you that can be very exciting and and positive it, but we do need to look after ourselves and of course you know, if we're still having persistent symptoms of menopause you beyond the final menstrual period we need to deal with that too but it yeah it's looking to it with positivity and i i think maybe that's um something as well that that is less kind of well known perhaps that that post-menopause some of those you know things like hot flushes can for some people at least keep going for for many years yeah yes yeah i've got clients who have hot flushes in their 70s but then lots of women don't. You know, so you just yeah. think one thing, you don't want to worry other people, you know, lots of women don't and you know, their hot flushes will like, you know, be managed or, or will, um, or will you know, taper off. You know, we're all so different. We're so individual. And I think that's one of the issues with this time of life, that we all have such different experiences. It's very difficult to generalise and um, probably why it's very difficult for doctors to deal with it too. Mm. You, you talked a little bit uh, about osteoporosis, but is that one of the things that is generally impacts people in much the same way? I mean, we know that there's this sort of drop off in muscle mass and in bone density. Is that something that is also very variable throughout the, the sort of the population? It is, but we all you know, we all lose bone density. You know, particularly you know, from menopause and beyond. You know, we're losing it from when we're kind of 30. Mm. But we, menopause, you know, going through the menopause transition, you know, that is a, particularly, a particular time when we start to lose bone density more because you know, estrogen and progesterone work together to help uh, maintain the turnover of bone. You know, one, one thing I didn't realise before we started <laughs> writing about ageing well is that our bones are constantly being remodeled they're constantly changing and i just thought they you you stop growing and then your bones are solid and that's yeah they're they're just there yeah they just do their job but um actually they're constantly being uh, remodeled and it is the reproductive hormones which which drive that process so once the hormones have declined you that process of creating new bone really slows right down mm. and so we are you know we're losing bone density um post-menopause and and we need you know we need to work on that we need to work on our, our muscles and our on our bones mm. and there's definitely the, like the statistics around you know if you post 50 post 55 if you if you break a bone the kind of the impact on future morbidity levels yeah. are, are quite stark Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, there's some very 
frightening uh, statistics around hip fracture, for example. You, you, your chances of being you know, fully mobile again are you know, decline very rapidly as you get older. And yes, as you say, morbidity sort of post a bone break you know, for older women is, you know, is high. It's really high. So you know, we, you know, that's why we need to work on it as soon as we can. Uh, to you know, to keep our bones strong or resilient or resilient. I, I say strong, actually, no. To keep them <laughs> resilient, I think that's mm. more important. The really important thing is to avoid fracture, and it, having the densest bones is not necessarily going to do that. It's having resilient bones, mm. and, and that's where the things like the you know your strength exercise and sort of yeah. you know building up your muscles and also balance as well. And you know, yeah. just it's it's such a kind of three sixty again picture isn't it it's like you you can't can't just focus on the one thing and then neglect kind of the bit over here because they all interplay exactly because it's the balance that will that will prevent us having the falls which is what causes the fracture and it's it's avoiding fracture that is the the key thing that we work back from there and think what do we need to uh, prevent that happening uh so when when's the the book due out i know you said it was next year have you got a rough uh <laughs> i think early summer i'm waiting i'm waiting to hear from my publisher actually so i am not i can't give you an exact date okay so we can't 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 put in a link for you to pre-order it yet but we'll, no, no, we'll definitely no. keep people updated um i'll come back in and, and update the show notes when uh, when we're able to to pre-order it um so yes i know there's definitely those three all three are going to be on my uh, teetering to read pile which uh, just never seems to get any smaller so I look forward to to reading that when it comes out one thing uh, actually I was going to ask trying to remember to ask my guests is there one thing that you wish that you had known going into your sort of perimenopause transition period I wish I'd known what it was yeah, honestly, yeah, I'm 56 now. I think I was probably perimenopause from my early 40s. Mm. I had no idea. I just thought I was going a bit mad and uh, my periods were a bit haywire. I really didn't know what it was. No idea. <laughs> really had no idea. And my doctor said I was depressed. I wasn't given antidepressants. Um, I was sent on a CBT course, which was good, actually. That was really mm. useful, but it didn't help perimenopausal symptoms beyond the road rage but um it yeah I just wish I'd known that word and wish I'd been able to say right well I'm going through this experience and therefore I am going to get really angry when my husband said I was in Tesco for too long you know (laughs) but but at some point it will I'll come out the other side and it will be okay (laughs) yeah I just I as so many women say you know I just thought it was it was me and didn't think it was a it was a, an actual condition you know, that you know, that my body and brain were going through this very profound change I wish I'd known that and I think also I wish I had known if I had known what perimenopause was I wish I had known that it is so much more than just a reproductive change mm. that it is this major kind of midlife transition uh, that we go through yeah it impacts Uh, absolutely everything doesn't it yeah well Susan thank you so much for your time I'm really really grateful and uh yeah good luck with the book thank you Emma thank you really lovely to talk to you thank you 
You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when the next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.